show you how to win. Will you be then? You belong, you belong, you belong, you belong to the Merry Marble Marching Society. March along, march along, march along to the song of the Merry Marble Marching Society. Lift your brow, lift your groan with the dour sour of the gift. Hello and welcome to day four of the Marvelous Anniversary series of podcasts where we at the Fire and Water Network celebrate our own three-year anniversary as well as the 80th anniversary of Marvel Comics and the publication of Marvel Comics Number 1, the debut of comics' original Fire and Water heroes, The Human Torch and Namor the Submariner. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Franklin. And I'm Cindy Franklin. And you might remember us from such shows as JLU Cast and Supermates. Uh, this time we're covering the feature... In Marvel Comics number one, that made the most sense for me to cover, since I am a fan of the original daring and resourceful Masked Rider of the Plains. Uh, the Lone Ranger was heavily imitated in all forms of media following his 1933 debut on radio. Uh, Masked Cowboy heroes cropped up in pulp, serials, theatrical cartoons, and yes, comics. Surprisingly, the real Lone Ranger didn't get his own comic until Dell started his series in 1948 although his comic strip began running in papers in 1938. Marvel's answer to the hero, formerly known as John Reed, debuted in comics almost a full decade earlier, so that's kind of nuts. So let's discuss the first appearance and adventure of The Masked Raider. Masked Raider. Lightning. A fiery horse with the speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty Hyos. Lightning. Bull. Masked Raider. Hyos. Lightning. Bull. With his faithful sheriff, companion Steve, the daring and resourceful Masked Rider of the Plains, led the fight for law and order in the early West. Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. The Masked Raider. Rides again. There's actually no title for the story, but uh, like Mike's Amazing World calls it the origin of the Masked Raider. So art, uh, don't know who did the story, but at least the art was by Al Anders. Nobody ain't taking credit for that. <laughs> Way to bury the lead there, baby. <laughs> okay, the story begins with this caption. Cal Brunder, powerful ruler of Cactusville, is attempting... Great name. I'm trying to read this. Is, is attempting to force all of the smaller ranchers to sell out to him at his own price. Brunder sends his gunmen to call on Jim Gardley. Jim greets Brunder's goons by slugging one, but another named Slick sneaks up from behind and holds him at gunpoint. While being forced to visit Brunder by the lawless posse, Jim warns Slick that the locals will soon rise up and send his gang packing. Brunder realizes he's not going to make any headway with the headstrong and virtuous Jim, so he calls Steve, the sheriff, and trumps up a cattle rustling charge against Jim. Later at the town jail, Steve is disappointed in his young friend, and Jim can't convince him of his innocence. In his cell, Jim devises a plan to stop Brunder once and for all. He fakes his sudden illness and knocks the sheriff out when he opens the door to check on him. Stealing the sheriff's gun and a nearby horse, Jim rides out of town. 
He eventually raids his old ranch for supplies and spends weeks hiding in the desert. He practices his markmanship and sets about finding himself a fast horse. As luck would have it, he finds a wild white stallion. Hmm, this seems familiar. But is unable to catch him. Sometime later, the horse accidentally traps himself in a corral, proving he's really smart. And over the course of several days, Jim wins the trust of this horse he names Lightning. The horse allows him to ride him and claim him as his steed. Jim then sets the final part of his plan in motion and dons a tight-fitting black mask which covers his entire head, topped off with his white cowboy hat, red flap shirt, and blue trousers. He declares, I, Jim Gardley, hereby make a solemn vow to forever fight the lawless, bring justice to the oppressed, and help the poor. To this end, I, the masked raider, dedicate my life to this oath. Oaths were big in the Golden Age. Apparently. Meanwhile, Brunder sends his men to burn the house of a holdout rancher named Blick. The men decide to add murder to their rap sheet before arson. The sheriff decides murder is a bit too much. Oh, he's got a limit there. That's good. But Brunder just ignores his complaints, sure that the rest of the ranchers will now sell out. Turns out he's right, as the other ranchers meet and decide to sell out to avoid more bloodshed. Blunder's glee is interrupted when his henchman Rowdy is found shot up with a note attached to him. The note reads, Brunder, you and your gang must pay for all your crimes. I'm starting to collect the masked raider. The raider calls upon the sheriff, who gets over his surprise at the masked visitor rather quickly, and agrees to side with him against Brunder. Two of Brunder's men eavesdrop on the conversation, but the masked raider knocks them out and goes after the rest of the gang. It's a very quick battle as the rest of the town rushes to the masked raider's side and take down Brunder's men. The land baron himself attempts to escape, but the masked raider ropes him off his horse. The sheriff ponders, Brunder's finished, but will the masked raider tackle the bigger game? The end. So what did you think of this? Well, as you can't tell... <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, well, let's get into it a little bit. Uh, the Land Baron runs off local rancher slash settler slash miners trope is perhaps the backbone of Western fiction, especially if you discount the now culturally insensitive quote-unquote cowboys versus Indians angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, you see that a lot from movies with Randolph Scott and Glenn Ford to more modern fare like Pale Rider and Open Range, the story of the greedy, rich land baron versus the little folk is one ripe for lots of interpretation. And many times there's that X element that throws everything off its axis, whether it's Glenn Ford as retired cavalry captain in The Violent Men, ghostly preacher Clint Eastwood in Pale Rider, or Kevin Costner's old gun hand in Open Range, someone rides into town to take a stand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we start off with Jim pasting one of Brunder's men, which is a good way to start in the Golden Age. It's all about whiz-bang action, of course. I mean, that's what you're you're plunking your dime down for 64 pages of, of fighting yeah. and manly action, you know, basically. <laughs> Brunder seems to give up rather quickly about turning Jim when he's brought to him. So why did they even bring him in? I mean, why didn't they just kill him? I know, they didn't worry about killing the bleaks. I mean, you know. Yeah, exactly. Sheriff Steve fits into another Western stereotype, the old sheriff who is washed up and just can't cut it anymore. He's often browbeaten by the big money in town, and that's what we see here. I mean, obviously, Brunder, Mm -hmm. he's just letting Brunder do whatever, you know. Like you said, when he starts murdering and burning, you know. That's just a sketch too far. I'm like, (laughs) okay. Now, I'm all right with beatings and you're forcing people off the land, but when you're going down burning people's barns and killing them, well, now, that's just not nice. You know? Apparently, there's a 
there. <laughs> nice to know he's got moral. Uh, what do you think about Jim coming up with this long-term plan in jail? Now, think about this. He goes off. The whole point was mm. because his land was being taken. But he just up and left his land and went off, you know. <laughs> think about that. The whole freaking point. <laughs> Good point. What happened to his land? And, yeah. Because I, the little bit I've read, you know, there's not a whole lot of information about the Masked Raider. I mean, it's basically he existed. He was a Western character that was like the Lone Ranger. Marvel published him. And there's not a whole lot about him right. out there on the internet. But from what I've read, he stays the Masked Raider, much like the Lone Ranger never goes back to being John Reed. Right. He stays the Masked Raider. So you're right, exactly. He he came to this because they were trying to steal his land, and then he just gives up his land. I mean, what? I just... <laughs> okay. I, I just don't see jumping to. I know, I'll escape and abandon my real name in life and put on a mask to take down the land baron who accused me of wrestling even though no one in town trusts him. You know, I mean, yeah. you know, once he's once he's taken down, why don't he just pull off his mask and go, look guys, it's me, you know, and they're like, hey, Jim, and he goes back to his, his, to his land, you know. Or, <laughs> well, and let's talk about, in, I mean, this sheriff, bless his heart. Oh, my stomach. Ugh, I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that's I'm old, making snarly noses. Sorry, that, that's an old trope in in lots of different fiction where the you know they fake an illness and the guy goes in there and they knock him out. You know, this is trope. I mean, this this is 1939, but these these were tropes back then. Even you know, yeah. and they're really tropes now. But they were tropes back then. He and he knocks out poor adult Steve the sheriff, steals a horse, and he lets that horse go, which I suppose makes sense since he doesn't want to be identified as Jim, and Jim stole that horse. So right, you know, I'll give him that. Now, he raids his own ranch for supplies, and that seems to be where the raider part of Masked Raider comes from. But here's the thing. They know, the land baron knows that he's out and about. If he was smart, <laughs> why didn't he have even just one of his guys staking out old Jim's spot to see if he came back to get his crap? <laughs> This is a logic last story, if there ever was one. I mean, oh my gosh. <laughs> and again, it's his ranch. They could have been staked out there waiting for him to come back. Or, you know, the whole point was they were trying to steal his ranch from him. And he just lied out. Let's give it up. The sheriff doesn't send any deputies or a posse out there to look for him to see yeah. if he goes back to his ranch for supplies. So, yeah. Uh, then we get the most blatant Lone Ranger connection with Lightning. Mm -hmm. uh, he finds a wild white stallion and, and slowly earns its trust. But you don't get that transcendent moment when he saves the horse, like on the radio show when the Lone Ranger Tano saved Silver after he was gored by a buffalo, and and on you know that was on radio, and or they saved him from a pit. Like he got stuck in in the 80s movie, The Legend of the Lone Ranger, you know? No, this is just a dumb horse that gets stuck in a corral. <laughs> I mean, you know. He's no trigger, you know. I mean, it's the he one ain't, that... I mean, he ain't going to come and save him from the rope. He ain't going to be sitting there waiting for him when, you know, when he gets the rope shot. You know, Tonto's going to drop to the ground anyway. <laughs> I do have to say, Jim's motivations are a bit flimsy for taking up the mask and staying in disguise. And like I said, he doesn't go back to his Jim Cardley persona, apparently, after this. And 
again, we got to emphasize why not? Who would believe Brunder's accusations anyway? Mm-hmm. I mean, especially at the end of this story, and after he murders Black, and the whole town is turned turns against him. You know. Mm-hmm. Now, I complain that modern heroes can't just do good for goodness sake. Barry Allen's mother has to die, and his father has to be convicted of it nowadays, instead of, I've got powers and I'm a good guy, so I can help people. But why can't Jim just go into law enforcement after this, you know, if he really wants to help out? You know, keep his ranch, become a deputy, then become the sheriff, and be the sheriff in the town. And instead (laughs) of wearing a full face mask... I'm sorry, but that's got to be hot as crap. They're in the desert. <laughs> it's black too. Uh huh. <laughs> and in in the next to last panel, he can't. You know, it's supposed to be a red shirt, and he's a blue shirt taking in the guys into the jail. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, and I don't know exactly if the coloring on this version that we read is the original coloring, but I'm assuming it's based on it. You know. Yeah. So why the mask? I mean, the Lone Ranger adopted the mask because John Reed was supposed to be dead, mm-hmm. and he fashioned his mask out of his dead brother's black vest. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, they both wanted to spook their foes, so that makes sense, but the motivation for Jim here is, again, pretty weak. Uh-huh. And let's talk about that mask. Uh-huh. Oh, boy. <laughs> like I said. <laughs> Looks like the gimp from Pulp Fiction in a cowboy hat. Oh. <laughs> I've seen he has a more super heroic looking red mask in later adventures. The black one is very pulpy and grotesque looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it li- literally looks like almost like a black trash bag like wrapped around his head or something. You know, he had a black uh, pillowcase. Yeah, yeah, or something. Couple, couple or Jim was into some S&M and just had it laying around the house. I don't know, you know. Well, you know. It's got a zipper in the mouth. I don't know. <laughs> the ball gag is one of the things on his poster there. <laughs> Oh gosh, we're, we're getting punchy. We're being awful. Uh, but of course, the Lone Ranger's early look changed a lot between serials, comic strips, etc. It wasn't until around the TV series that they finally settled upon the classic domino mask look, although that's what he normally wore in the comic strip. But the Masked Raider continues to wear Jim Gardley's red flap shirt and white hat, so nice disguise there, dude. Exactly. You know. <laughs> Uh, also, this is the exact color scheme of the Lone Ranger's outfit in the early color Sunday comic strips. I mean, he didn't get the the blue outfit until Clayton Moore, right. the color movies, right, kind of took it over. Mm-hmm. You know, that's when it really locked into that. The only difference between the early Lone Ranger comic strip and this is the full face mask. Mm-hmm. So, while Jim is accessorizing, Brunder's men escalate things with arson and murder, and Sheriff Steve isn't going to have it. Well. well no. He is going to have it, but he ain't happy about it. You know, <laughs> I think it's funny. It, you know, he, he's he's like, but killing and burning, that's going too far. And, and Brunner's response is, what right have you to think? <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's bought and paid for. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, did you think when the ranchers met, they were going to get together and it's like, well, let's go against him. And then, and then the masked raider was going to walk in and go, now, hold on, guys. I'm with you, but we got to have a plan or something. Is that what you thought was going to happen? I was, I was just like, why? why? They, just, they decide to sell out. They're yeah. just like, yep, we're leaving. You know, just, I mean, there's nobody that's like, I ain't, I'm fighting, I'm staying. And and they're all like, yep, we're all selling out. We're going to sell out for his cheap price. Well, there is one that says that I'm sticking. Yeah, well, I guess, yeah. But it just, so, you know. there's one guy. But I mean, but they all, the rest of them are like, yeah, I'm moving out. You know, it's just like, yeah. <laughs> Apparently, unlike his inspiration, the Masked Raider has no qualms about shooting up his enemies. He sends a note tacked onto a shot-up Rowdy. 
I hope that wasn't Rowdy Yates from Rawhide because I don't think Jim could take on Clint Eastwood. No, I, and I do like, though, that the note was tacked to his backside. Yeah, that's, that was a nice touch. <laughs> I like that everyone greets the mass Raider with, You're masked! You know, thanks, Captain Obvious. Yeah, so, you know. <laughs> Uh, so Sheriff Steve is ready to trust this masked guy and turn against Brunder, but Jim feels like he probably wouldn't trust him, his old friend. So I ask you, is this town even worth saving? No, I mean, I'm just like, <laughs> eh, just let him have it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he obviously gave up his ranch with no qualms. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, so what's the big deal? Yeah. One of Brunder's men is watching the raider and Steve, and then another rides up, and it seems like a waste of a few panels considering how rushed the ending is going to be. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like, eh, why is that even in there? Slick calls out, and Brunder's men come, and then the townspeople suddenly grow spines. Why? Most of them had agreed to sell out. Right. So what was the ma- what has the mask raider done to provoke such loyalty and spirit in him? They don't even know it exists. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, you know, it's just like, he's not like he's rallied them. It's like, like I said, if he'd showed up amongst them and said, you know, you guys, are you guys with me? Let's fight this guy. Right. You know, that would have been a better, you know, yeah, let's get him, you know. Uh, and this is all in one large panel where we see folks fighting, and you can't really tell who's on what side. And, no, I'm just like, okay. Yeah, the Masked Raider is punching a guy, and other folks are fighting around him. So mm-hmm. so then, the Masked Raider pulls Brunder off his horse. Do you think it kills him? Because there are rocks nearby that may suggest he hits his head on one, so I don't know. I mean, I, Well, and the thing is, is it says he's done for good, but at the same time... Are these people going to actually step up and testify against him? Or, right. you know, what's going on there? Yeah, yeah, exactly. If he's not dead, is he going to jail? He still owns all that land. I yeah. mean, you know, it's like it's like legally that's still his. He's going to go to trial. Are they going to, you know, again, are they going to lynch him? Are they going to, you know, yeah. what, what are they going to do? I mean, and just what is Sheriff Steve talking about at the end? What's the bigger game he speaks of that he's going to tackle? This story seems to indicate Brunder is the villain. Of this area. Mm-hmm. So what? what's the bigger game? I mean, is he going to go outside of the area mm-hmm. and outside of Cactusville and, and fight crime? So, you know, despite our criticism, I think, you know, I mean, you got to put yourself back. This is the golden age and simpler storytelling. It's, you know, it, it's aimed. Well, I mean, it's kind of it's aimed at kids, but it's also aimed at a pulp audience. So it's a little bit in between. They weren't real. They didn't really care about making stuff real juvenile, but it's very simple. Very simple. Uh, so I think the story's fine. There's no spark here like a lot of Golden Age stories that seem crude by today's standards, but they still have that that one unquantifiable thing, that essence of something greater in them that you can see, like early Batman stories mm-hmm. and, and things like that. This is just a Lone Ranger wannabe, and for that, it's not badly done. The motivations are weak. The ending is a bit rushed, but no one thought they were making grand literature. They sure the... as crap didn't. <laughs> well, they didn't think they were doing that in the golden age. I mean, this this was a cheap this was cheap entertainment for a dime, and this entertains well enough. I think you know okay. it passes the time yeah. you read it, and you know uh, Al Anders' art is a notch above a lot of early golden age art, although it doesn't seem to have reproduced well like a lot of art at that time. Well, I think that's just the production values the, of it, the technology yeah. of the time. Yeah. Uh, he drew the first 11 of the 12 Masked Raider stories in Marvel, later Marvel Mystery Comics. Uh, the last story was drawn by an artist named Ben Thompson. Anders also drew two issues of Lev Gleason's Silver Street Comics and one Tarantula story for DC Star Spangled Comics in 1943. So he's got one DC credit. 
Uh, the Masked Raider disappeared after Marvel Mystery Comics number 12 and never really had a significant comeback that I could find. His claim to fame is basically being in Marvel Comics number one. Okay. So, there were several Western heroes named the Masked Rider afterwards in various media, and Charlton had their own Masked Raider, who was an even more colorful-looking, super-heroic, Lone Ranger-type character. He was published sporadically in the late 50s and early 60s, so perhaps... DC now owns this Masked Raider because they own the Charlton characters. Oh, true, true. So they may own him. I don't know. You got anything else on this one? You owe me. You, you make Ryan owes you because this was his idea. Mm. <laughs> Chocolate, dude. Chocolate. <laughs> Be sure to tune in tomorrow as our marvelous anniversary celebration continues. Professor Zoom Yukonori examines the culturally insensitive jungle terror story. I'm sure it'll be a hoot. Either way, you know it'll sound great. So, there you go. So, see you guys later. Bye. Bye. to you people about the same thing. Have a pizza roll, Kimasabi? Look for Gino's pizza rolls and serve them. This new Just take them out of the freezer, pop them in the oven for 10 minutes. That's it. Who was that masked man anyhow? I don't know. And I wanted to thank him. Oh!